0: Well, let's keep that scripture open, John chapter 20, and let's uh, spend a, a little while thinking about the great events that happened on that first Easter Sunday. Uh, I told um, our church at uh, H- Hook on Good Friday that it's 40 years ago this Easter that the Lord saved me, and I'm still amazed, <laughs> and surely we should all be still amazed, shouldn't we, that We're we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And here what we see this evening is an amazing thing. Easter proclaims the best news ever announced, and it's this. Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. He rose on the third day after his death. And the very first person to see him after his resurrection was a woman called Mary Magdalene. And that's what we read about here in this scripture in John chapter 20. The other disciples had left the garden tomb, you'll see from verse 10. But Mary Magdalene is still at the tomb in verse 11. And while she's there, Jesus appears to her. Now, our Savior Jesus appeared to at least 513 people after his resurrection. So someone had to be first, and it was her. But why Mary, first of all? Jesus could have chosen anyone to appear to, first of all. He could have chosen his enemies. He could have said, right, Pontius Pilate, I'm going to put you right on a few things, Or he could have gone to King Herod and said, you really wanted to see a miracle? Well, you're looking at one now. Or he could have gone to Caiaphas, the high priest, and said, I told you so. He could have appeared to his torturers, the soldiers who whipped and beat him, or the soldier who smashed the nails through his hands. Jesus could have gone to them, first of all. He could have gone to the the mockers who passed him by on the cross, calling out to him with baiting breath. Or he could have gone straight to the top. He could have gone to Rome itself and appeared to Tiberius Caesar and says, I'm king of the kings. Or he could have gone to any one of the 11 apostles. But Jesus chooses Mary Magdalene. He does the totally unexpected thing and appears to this lady, Mary. She was a woman in a male-dominated world. And Jesus does the totally unexpected thing. Jesus never saved us to become boring and predictable. When was the last time you did a very godly, unexpected thing? He appears to Mary, not just because it was the unexpected thing, but if you read commentators around this, they do ask this question, why to her first? And the majority of them seem to say it was because of her intensity of love to him. The Mary's background story is uh, sordid and sorry. It would be found in the red-top newspapers of today. This lady, Mary Magdalene, once had seven demons living in her. One's enough. Seven demons inside you. What kind of issues and problems would have come from her life? What kind of brokenness and misery would she have been in? There are some people that equate her with the prostitute who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them dry with her hair. And it may well have been this same lady. But whatever, she would have been a broken lady. Seven demons. And our Savior Jesus dealt with each one of them. And he cast out all those demons. He healed her. He forgave her. and said, leave your life of sin. And she had been forgiven much. And so she loved much. And she loved him dearly. And Jesus appeared first of all to this lady who was filled with such an intense love for him. She was the first person ever to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Eve was the first person to see the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the mountains, the rivers, someone had to see them first of all, and Eve was the first person to see, first lady to see them. And so Mary Magdalene is the first person to see the Son of Heaven, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And what we see in this passage of Scripture are various aspects of love with apologies to the guy that wrote that hymn or song, not hymn, is it, song or that play. Aspects of love. And you've got four aspects of love that we see in this meeting between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. We see her tears, her desire, her eternity, and her obedience. And we see that each one of them was matched by Jesus and bettered. So every aspect of love that she had for him, he had for her. But his love for her was far greater than her love for him, even though her love for him was very great. Let's consider then those four aspects of love. First of all, an aspect of love is tears. Tears. In verse 11 we read that Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And then we go on to read in verse 11, As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Four times in those few verses, it's mentioned that she was crying. And the word that's used is not just a little sob into a tissue. This is wailing. She's beside herself. Love and tears so often go together. It's true in songs and lyrics and poetry. Pink once said that she'd never written a love song that didn't end in tears. And that's real life as well, isn't it? Love makes you cry, sometimes for no apparent reason at all. Sometimes because love hurts. Sometimes you cry with joy, but sometimes there are tears in love of sadness and grief. Tears of parting. Sometimes tears in reuniting. There can be so many tears in love. And I wonder how many tears have actually been shed through the history of planet Earth. If you could provide or or make a, a... a special drain somewhere that went down into one reservoir, the reservoir of tears. And every teardrop that had ever been shed had gone down to that drain and in those tears. How high would that reservoir be? This world is a world of tears and brokenness. And Mary here is standing outside the tomb of Jesus and she's weeping and the tears that she wept for him could fill an ocean. And it's heartrending to see a person Crying. Whether they're a child, a teenager, a grown woman, or a grown man. And Mary, this grown woman, is full of tears. Because she loved him. But Jesus' love for her wipes away every tear. He says to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And at first, Mary didn't realize it was Jesus. And again, people give their theories on why she didn't recognize him. Maybe it was because there were so many tears in her eyes that her vision was just blurred. She just didn't recognize him. But whatever it was, she thought he was the gardener. Verse 15, thinking he was the gardener. Now, that would be an obvious thought, wouldn't it? Who else would be in the garden that time in the morning? But she thinks he's the gardener. But there comes a moment. When she does recognize who it is. And the recognition came through Jesus speaking just one word, verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. I wonder how he said it with the music of his voice and the music of his name, the music of his voice to say her name, Mary. He must have said her name many times during his years of ministry. And now he says it again, and she recognizes. This is the voice of the master. This is the voice of the one I love. It's Jesus. Her name would have been used by many different people. And if she was that prostitute of Luke chapter 7, it would have been been used in a foul, horrible way. And and her mum would have used this name. Her dad would have used this name. Maybe her brothers and sisters would have used this name. She would have been called Mary many times. How many times do people say your name in a day? But when Jesus says your name, your ears pick up. He's the shepherd and he knows his sheep by name. And she responds with this wonderful thing in verse 16. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! which means teacher. I mean, that's unusual because usually um, Jesus is called rabbi. Sixteen times in the Gospels, Jesus is called rabbi. Just once is he called rabboni, and it's by Mary. And it's very personal. It doesn't just mean teacher. It means my teacher, my Lord, and my Savior. And I wonder how she said those words. Rabboni. With what joy can you imagine now? From the tears of sadness and grief to that broad smile, Rabboni, you're alive! What joy when you think, or when somebody finds, a person is alive whom they thought was dead. What joy that must be for that person. In the film Nanny McPhee and the Big Bang, the uh, lady in that film, Isabel Green, Her husband has gone to war and he's not returned home. And they've got a telegram. And it says he's either missing in action or killed. And the whole film is about trying to find out, is he alive or not? Is this true or not? And the closing scene is at harvest time. It's of her husband, Rory, coming over the fields and being seen alive by his wife and children. And it's such a moving moment. The joy almost breaks through the screen. And she thinks Jesus is dead. But he's alive. She says, Rabboni. And Jesus wipes away every tear from her eye. For weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And one day, every tear will be wiped away. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd. He will lead us to springs of living water. And our God will wipe every tear from our eyes. And maybe at this particular time in your life, it is a time of weeping. There are situations, relationships, maybe with parents, maybe with children, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. Many things cause us to cry when we're in love. And maybe that's part of your life right now. And I want to tell you that one day Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eye. You follow him and you will go to a world where there's not one tissue present. the second aspect of love here is desire desire Song of Solomon's chapter 8 verse 7 says many waters cannot quench love rivers cannot sweep it away there's always a strong desire in true love if you love someone you'll do amazing things for them you'll hop on a plane to see them just for a few hours You'll drive the length of a motorway to spend an evening with them. If you love someone, you'll walk in the sun and the snow when there's nowhere to go. But you'll still walk with them. If you love someone, you could spend your life caring for them. Or the last few years of their life, pushing them in a wheelchair. Caring for them when they're bedridden, in their disability or their need. If you love someone, you will do sacrificial things for them. Because love has to give. And love will also make you want to do the impossible if you can. For there ain't no mountain high enough, and ain't no valley deep enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep you from the person that you love. There is such power in love that it will make you do crazy things. Sometimes love does seem crazy. Look what Mary Magdalene wanted to do in verse 15. Woman. Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. That's crazy. This lady, in the emotionally fragile state that she was in, is now saying, I'm going to go and carry a dead weight of a body for man. There's no way she could do that. But love makes her want to do that. It's crazy. But that's what love makes you want to do, crazy things. Why did she want to get the body of Jesus, a dead body? Why did she want to do that? It's because bodies are sacred things. Dead bodies are to be treated with the greatest respect. And the body of Jesus had been desecrated. It had been whipped and beaten and torn and bruised and battered and pierced and crucified. And it would have been in a horrible condition. And they never had time to wash it or anoint it for burial, to treat that body that had been treated so cruelly. They never had time to treat it so kindly and lovingly. And the woman had come to the tomb to do that very thing to treat it with respect, to treat it kindly and with love. And now the body is missing. And Mary can't stand it. So she says, I've got to get the body. Tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. But how would she do that? She wouldn't be able to. But she never really thought about, calculated how she would do it. Because love is not an exact science. True love is beyond all calculation, it's all beyond all precise predictions. True love doesn't calculate the cost. True love doesn't measure the miles. True love doesn't keep track of time. True love works in quantity of intensity and desire. And to an onlooker sometimes, the expressions of true love do seem absolutely crazy. And onlookers fail to understand, and they'll criticize, and they'll sneer, or they'll laugh it off, and they'll say, oh, she'll get over it. And we might say about Mary here, Crazy woman <laughs> How are you gonna do that? But her intense desire was to treat the body of Jesus with respect and love it was overwhelming. Her love had to express itself in action. Do you know surely every one of us should have a great desire to do something big for Jesus? Even if we don't actually get to do that thing. In uh, Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, he asked this question. To just read the Bible, attend church, and avoid big sins, is this passionate, wholehearted love for God? But so many people think, that's enough. i just read my Bible, i just go to church, I'll avoid the big sins, i just do my duty. But love goes beyond duty. Love makes King David say, I will build a temple for you, Lord. Love makes Abraham say, I will not withhold my son from you, Lord. Love makes the Apostle Thomas say, I will die for you, Lord. And what does love make us say? I'll go to church for you, Lord. (laughs) What does your love for Jesus make you say? What is it bursting out of your heart to do? I'll go get him. But do you know, no matter how much you love Jesus and how much I love Jesus and how much Mary Magdalene loved Jesus, he loves us more. And do you know that God loves us so much that he wants to do more amazing things for us than we could ever do for him? Sometimes our desires for the Lord are denied us because God wants to do a greater thing for us. So King David, who wanted to build a temple for the Lord, was not allowed because God was going to build a kingdom for him. And Abraham who said, I'll give up my only son for you was not allowed because God would turn from his son, a great, great nation. And Thomas who said, I will die for you, Jesus, Jesus said, no, I'll die for you. And Mary Magdalene wanted the dead body of Jesus, but she didn't get it. She got a living Jesus. And Jesus' love led him to do amazing, amazing things for us. His grace goes deeper than our sin. His love goes further than our wandering. What did Jesus measure when he stepped down from heaven to earth? What did Jesus calculate when he spread out his hands upon a cross and allowed them? Because he had to allow them, allow them to crucify him. Did he count the cost? It was love that led him to the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. Jesus loves us so much. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. And an unbeliever might look at the cross and say, that's foolishness. That's daft. It's crazy. And we say it's crazy love. It's sacrificial love. And maybe not until glory we will ever know how much Jesus really loves us. The full extent of his love. The extreme length he was prepared to go to. Because he loved us. Mary Magdalene says, my desire is to get the dead body of Jesus. And Jesus says, I've got something better. The third aspect of love is eternity. Eternity. Mary Magdalene doesn't want her relationship with the Lord to ever come to an end. And love is like that. Love wants to hold on to a good thing forever. I want to stand with you on a mountain. I want to bathe with you in the sea. I want to lay like this forever until the sky falls down on me. Let's never change this moment. Let's capture the special probe occasion. Let's, if there's an, a kind of Instagram perfect moment, let's keep it. There's a setting you never want to leave, a moment you never want to break, a time you want to last forever. Sometimes we wish we could freeze time and make the moment go on and on and on. And Mary Magdalene, she had this desire never to let Jesus go. She wanted him not just then, but forever. So she says to him, after saying, Rabboni, Jesus said in verse 17, if you look, do not hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the father now this is a, a difficult verse in some ways because in another gospel the ladies actually did hold his feet and Jesus never rebuked them or stopped them so why should he stop Mary Magdalene from holding on to him well apparently the, the idea of the, the, uh, of the original is clinging uh, and so it's, it's not just a case of um, touching but holding on to Maybe she had wrapped her arms around him in a joyful hug or maybe she had thrown herself at his feet as she'd done before. She was just never, left, never wanting him to, to ever go away. Older versions here say, do not touch me. But maybe it's more like a, whoa, if it's a newer version, it maybe be whoa, Mary, keep your distance. But it's better to translate it do not keep on clinging to me, Mary. Why the prohibition? Because of the second part of verse 17. For I've not yet ascended to the Father. You see, Mary, don't just have half a resurrection. <laughs> if I'm just back to earth as Lazarus was back to earth in that resurrection, then I've got to die again. It's just a half a resurrection. Mary, I'm coming back in a different way. We've had this relationship before, as I've had with the other disciples around me as well. And yes, I've been with you, and I've been with you for years. But I've been limited to a body, and I've only been able to be in one place at one time. And Mary, when I've been with others, I haven't been able to be with you. So there are occasions when I haven't been with you, Mary. You want that kind of relationship to continue? No, I'm going back to my Father. I'm ascending to the Father to complete this so that I might pour out my Spirit upon you so that I will be with you forever in my Spirit. The relationship now is changed. It's getting deeper. Jesus once said to his disciples, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because if I do not go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. And that's really what he's saying here to Mary as well. Mary, don't hold on to that physical relationship of the past. Now it's spiritual. And you know what? I'll be with you forever. You want me forever? You've got me forever. I'm here with you in spirit. And that means that Jesus is with us all the time by his spirit. So he is with us at those anxious times of our lives. And he's with us in those good times. He's with us in the home. He's with us in the hospital. He's with us when we're driving. You might not want him to be with you when you're driving, but he's with you when you're driving. He's with you when you're traveling. He's with you when you're at work. He's even with you when you're in the dentist chair. He's with you all the time. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I am with you to the very end of the age. Mary, you want me forever. You've got me forever. But in the spirit. But one day, Mary, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to take you to be with me. That you may be where I am forever. And that's our destiny. To be with Jesus forever. But throughout eternity, O Lord, a joyful song I'll raise. But oh, eternity is too short to utter all your praise. But if our desire is to be with the Lord forever because we love him, then that desire will be fulfilled one day when he comes back. Jesus had something better in store for Mary and he has for us as well. There is something better than this world as we know it. Well, the fourth and the final aspect of love here is obedience, obedience. True love and obedience always go together. You can tell someone that you love them, but you prove it if you're faithful to them and you're loyal to them because our behavior backs up our sentiment of words and shows whether or not the words, I love you, are actually true. Now, Jesus said this, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So there is a connection between loving someone and being faithful and loyal to them. And there is a connection between loving Jesus and obeying him. If we love him, we will obey him. And Mary Magdalene had this obedient love for Jesus. So Jesus has a command for her at the end of verse 17. He says, right, don't hold on to me. But go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Now, that might seem to us just a very easy thing for Mary to obey. But remember that she was a woman in a male-dominated world. All his uh, apostles were, were men. And she could have said to him, Lord, you want me to go and tell those men? They all ran off. You want me to go and tell them that you're alive? Yes, you, Mary. Here's my command. And it might not be an easy command for you, but go and tell them. Go and tell them that I'm alive. And look at her obedience in verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. How did she say those words? You know how some Christians would say them? Well, yeah, Jesus is alive. (laughs) Meet some Christians, you think that Jesus was still dead but she goes she goes running to the disciples i've seen the lord he is alive and what now was the music in her voice her face was shining radiant her heart was beating fast her tear-filled eyes were dried there was music in her voice i have seen the lord and that's the command we've got from jesus as well go and tell people that i'm alive do we? and we say people aren't interested I agree there are many people that are actually not interested but you know there are far more people interested in spiritual things than you dream of and if you try to engage someone in a conversation about Jesus some people will say nothing but others do want to talk and what's your message? Jesus is alive (laughs) that is our message I know someone who has conquered death. I know it's true because there were eyewitnesses. I've got the authentic documents here, I've got the source documents of the eyewitnesses. Jesus is alive. And I'm telling you now, not just from my own experience, which you could doubt because it's my experience, but I'm telling you here from objective evidence that Jesus is alive. That is our message and we are commanded to go and make disciples with this wonderful, glorious Easter message. He has died for our sins. He was buried and he's risen on the third day. He is alive. What's not to like? But do you know in all our obedience for him, his obedience to his Father was far greater than ever our obedience would be to him. For God, his Father, made a great plan of salvation to redeem us from our sin. For us in our terrible predicament, sinking deep in sin under the wrath and condemnation of God, we had no hope. We lived with no hope, no God, no Christ. We were far off from God. But God made a way. God made a plan that he would send his son Jesus to earth to live the life we should live to fulfill all righteousness, to die the death that we should die, to take the wrath of God against our sin, against us, upon himself. And that if Jesus should do that, I'd be saved forever. But it all depended on Jesus doing it. And there in Gethsemane, I don't understand Gethsemane, but there in Gethsemane, our Savior wrestled, wrestled with this thought of of the cross. Somebody has described Gethsemane as the lip of hell. And Jesus was there in Gethsemane. Would he descend into the hell of the cross or not? The decision would be taken at Gethsemane. If Jesus said, I'm not going None of us would ever be saved. But there in the garden of tears, he prayed, not my will, but thine. His obedience was magnificent, and he did it because he loved you, and he loved us. Your will, not mine, be done. And this is amazing obedience to the utmost limit. It was all because he loved us. We're saved. Because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. So Mary Magdalene sees the Lord. She meets him in his risen power. Her love for him was evident in her tears, her desire, her longing to spend eternity with him, and her obedience. But her love for him, though it was great, was overshadowed by his love for her. She's crying because of love. He wipes away her tears. She wants to do something crazy and great for him because of love. He's going to do something greater for her because of his love. She wants to spend eternity with him. He says, yes, you can. And she's going to obey him in his command on earth. And he's obeyed the father so as to win her heart and my heart and your heart forever. Do you believe this? Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this accurate account of this eyewitness, Mary Magdalene, meeting the Savior that she loved. And thank you that one day we will meet him as well. We will see him he will say our name, and He will call us to be with Him. Oh, we pray, Lord, that every person in this building tonight would be right with You, so that when their name is called, they will respond with love, and they will respond with a oh, "So glad to see You." Lord, we ask that in Your mercy and grace, You would come down powerfully even now, and turn every heart to Yourself. Put people back together again with you and with themselves and with others and give yourself great fame and glory as you do so. Draw from us, we pray, love and obedience. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.